Welcome to Locked On Badgers. Justin and Ryan here. Tonight we break down why we were so wrong about this Badger team. We also dive into why we were so wrong about Johnny Davis this year. Nobody saw that one coming. And is this Badger team a high floor team or are they a high ceiling team? And why is it that the pundits struggle to, to view them to an extent compared to some of the other top teams like the Kentucky, Kansas, and Baylors of the world. We're going to dive in that tonight, but first, thanks for making Lockdown Badgers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So diving into this one, why, Ryan, do you think we were so wrong about this team? And I know there's <laughs> like a litany of reasons mm-hmm. why. <laughs> but yep. what was your – why don't you go ahead and list off a couple here? Oof, boy, well, I- I feel good in the sense of we were all wrong together, right? Like you and I didn't think, see this coming. We thought this team would struggle to make the tournament, but everybody did. So why were we so wrong about this iteration of Wisconsin basketball? I think the biggest reason, uh, I think there's two big reasons. I'm going to hit on the biggest one. I think it comes off of last year's team that had such a a foul smell, so much drama. You know, we had the negativity, the leaks, locker room tape which we all thought never should have been leaked but it but it was there it didn't change the fact that it happened inside that locker room where there was an obvious cancer a bunch of players were upset we lost a ton of dudes and even even though those dudes the reavers and the trices and the lean fords obviously didn't play as well as they should have last year those are still talented guys yeah you know um so i think it was uh, you know uh, michael potter as well michael potter is with the miami heat g league team and playing incredibly well with them by the way mm-hmm. he just scored 24 points the other day with their g league team so we lost a ton of dudes off a team that frankly wasn't very good to begin with and i think that that had a lasting impact into what our expectations were this year he, he was also the poster child if anyone saw this on twitter of what it's like to date a guy that's into sports Oh yeah! Last night when he was watching the Badger games, he was dancing around like a six-year-old, losing like his mind. Super excited! Yep, yep. <laughs> like, Lose- this is exactly how yep. it is for somebody that's ultra into sports. Michael Potter is our spirit animal. <laughs> yep, but yeah, no. I mean, obviously, we lost a ton of our production from last year. Um, I think you and I would both agree we were pretty high on Chucky. I think mm-hmm. I think we were actually higher than a lot of the the press was on this team. Like we thought there was an outside shot. They may squeak their way into the tournament. I thought that they would probably be seventh or eighth in the conference because Wisconsin just typically doesn't finish towards the bottom, Mm -hmm. but I did not see them winning the conference. Like this was like the perfect storm of everything kind of going right for them. So, So I mean, it it was, it's really hard to expect this. It was, it was shocking, right? It's absolutely Mm -hmm. shocking. I think there was, I think what we underestimated, uh, I think we very, very much underestimated, and I'm just going to tie a bow around my, my chemistry issues from last year. We absolutely underestimated how big of a deal that was. Like that, that team was sabotaged by bad chemistry. And oh yeah, we thought you lose these guys, the younger guys, which we kind of liked. I think we liked mm-hmm. the younger guys, but they wouldn't be quite ready. And we just completely underestimated the fact that losing those guys took the cancer out of the locker room. And it's not all on them. It's not on the coaches. It was the combination of what was there, but getting rid of those guys gave everyone a clean slate. And we completely undervalued the impact that would have on this year. We just didn't see that type of impact. Well, I mean, it's not even just that. I mean, let's, let's kind of run down the list here of, of this, even the starting five. 
I mean, to expect Chucky to be what he has been is off the charts. Like he's, he's probably been the best point guard in the league at running a team. And by running a team, I don't mean scoring. I mean, when it comes to keeping a team calm, getting them into their sets, you know, pulling it back on the break and stuff when it's just not there, he makes so many good decisions when you watch him play. And it's really hard to do that as a true freshman. Um, Tyler Wall, I don't think any of us expected him to take this big of a leap. Like he, and we talk about Johnny's leap, but you, you look at Tyler too. He jumped from, like they said, last year is what, five points a game? What is he doing this year? 13? Uh, I got Something it up right range? here. Uh, Wall is at 11.5. 11.5. So he's actually low, but he started out the season kind of slow. And he's so hurt he, a little bit. He, yeah. So he really has picked it up and he's been big in big games. Um, and then Crowell. I, I know there's people that have been low on him for this season. This is a guy that put in what I think he had like it was 86 minutes total last year. I don't uh, even know if it nothing. was that. Yeah, and and he barely played to come out and be averaging close to double digits. That's really impressive for a first time starter. Yep. Like there's there's a lot to like there with him. So essentially, you they got... hit their peaks. Like everybody has been what you'd like best case scenario you'd expect. That's, and that's a great point. We essentially hit the development curve, what we would consider a year early. Like yeah. we, we did not expect Tepper. Nobody should expect a freshman guard to come in and play this well as a point guard oh, yeah. running. A team. He's but averaging he more points than Johnny did last year, but he, yeah, he did. And nobody expected, you know, um, I, we had tons of questions about the, the pivot uh, with, with Crowell and Carlson basically not playing last year. And, and Carlson hasn't done I think what we would hope this we're year, starting but... to see flashes, but yeah, he, he it took him a while to kind of get his, his feedback under mm-hmm. him this year, but Carl's been at least serviceable. Yeah. So you have this group of young players who really is probably thriving with that kind of bad, whatever, call whatever that ominous cloud over last year out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, they all developed and uh, came in ready to play. And then you have, obviously I want to touch on the coaching job too. I can't imagine the the pressure on Greg Gard coming out of last oh, yeah. year. That was an incredibly disappointing year. And then the tape is leaked. He has to make a new staff hire. Mm-hmm. He's crushed it. Like he's yeah. obviously got this team rolling and oh, yeah. he's going to be the coach of the year. He should be. And and this is the best camaraderie I have seen from a Badger team since probably 2015. Watching mm-hmm. those teams at the final four, how much fun they were having together. So I that tells you kind of what we're seeing. Like you could tell this is a pretty close knit group. Um so I, it couldn't be better what they got out of every, pretty much everyone. I mean, really the only thing that we did not see was we did not really see anyone develop into a solid bench player. That is a guy mm-hmm. pushing, pushing potentially for big minutes. And by big minutes, I mean, somebody that's saying, Hey, I deserve 20 minutes a game. We don't have that right now. No, we, we didn't get that. I, so I, I, let's see, I'm thinking I was wrong on Charlie. <laughs> I was wrong on Chucky Eppern being ready. I was wrong on Tyler Wall. I was wrong on Stephen Crowell. I was we're doubtful both of Greg Gard. wrong on Johnny Davis. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, what were you right about? How about this? Let's flip it around. So we were we were wrong, and about we were a lot. higher on him than most. We were wrong a lot. Um, collectively, we didn't think the team would be this good. We kind of mm-hmm. talked about we thought it was the young players that wouldn't be ready, and uh, mm-hmm. we underestimated the cult. The just the culture oh, yeah. last year, how bad it was. What were you right about before the year with this team, specifically this team? What did you nail? Because I have one uh, specifically on nailed. I, I thought we would, that crawl would at least be solid. 
Um, I thought that Chucky would be good. I did not think that he would be this consistently good from a standpoint of low turnovers and running the point as effectively as he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I felt pretty good about that. I thought Johnny would take a jump, but I figured like 13 points a right. game jump, not a 20 points a game jump. And we're going to get into him next, next yeah. segment. Yeah. Yep. I'll tell you the one that I nailed. Like it's like I said, I'm not trying. I certainly can't pat myself on the back here because I was wrong in like seven other things with this <laughs> team. But before the season, you know, you and I were talking, and I said, I think one through four, our team is going to be so good defensively. We're going to switch everything. I'm not great sure on the, the pivot defensively in the interior, but I think we're going to cause havoc on the perimeter because all of our defenders are above average defenders on the perimeter and they mm-hmm. all switch. And we've seen that play out this year. Chucky is a elite defender at the point as a true freshman. Like he makes people so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that really the only time he struggles and he, he's gotten better at this as the season's gone on is fighting through screens. Like beyond that, he is such a glove on people and makes them so uncomfortable at the top of the key. Can I tell you the guy, the other guy that gives him a little bit of trouble? Cause I agree with you getting, getting around traffic is something he needs to get better at. And I think that's true for all young players. Mm-hmm. It's the super shifty guys still give him a little, a little trouble. He's not, He's he's holds up really well against the physical guards because he's a physical yeah. dude and he's tough. The super he's not the quickest quickest guy. No, that's that's really the only uh, the only kind of flaw there defensively. And even then, he's got very quick hands though. He so does. if you're if you're if you're a shifty guard who wants to get get you know flashy, Chucky's not the guy you get flashy with. Like don't mess around with the ball because he'll take it from you. Um, that being said, if you're if you're somebody who's efficient and you're quick like Fats Russell from, from Maryland, that's the type of guy that Chucky struggles with a little bit because that guy's got an extra gear yeah. that nobody in the league has. Yeah, it's tough. But, I mean, most he gives – Fats Russell gives a lot of people issues, yeah. obviously. Yep. All right, so let's let's wrap this segment up. Um, coming up, we have another segment where we were wrong. This is this is <laughs> going to be a painful show for us, but, yeah. but in a good way. We're glad to be wrong if it means the team is, is doing really well. So next segment, we're going to get into Johnny Davis – um, before the season, we obviously all liked him. We, nobody saw this type of ascension coming. What did we miss? And are there some numbers that kind of go underneath the hood to say, you know, why he's a lot better this year, what he's, what he's improved on? So we're going to get into that next segment. Uh, but first, today's show is brought to you by runyourpool.com. March Madness is only a couple weeks away. We talk about it all the time. It's the most wonderful time of the year. This is the time you need to start thinking about where your pool is going to live, where you're going to do your brackets. Are you going to do the usual thing you do every single year, which isn't quite good enough? It's just there. Or are you going to go to the website that built a market, built a community that has done this specifically for this type of event? So if you go to runyourpool.com, their standard brackets, it also offers things like Survivor, Pick X. Um, they have options headed scoring, things that you're never going to find on CBS. You're not going to find this on ESPN. This is next level stuff. Um, and this is the, the site we use at Locked On Sports. We're, we're sports fanatics, obviously. We love this stuff. We live this stuff. We breathe this stuff. This is where we go to do this because it's the best. We haven't found anything better. That's why we endorse it. That's why we partner with them. So if you want to play with us, if you want a shot to win cash prizes against us, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. If you enter pure madness, that's pure madness at checkout. You get $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. 
Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Justin, let's get into this this next area that we obviously didn't see coming. Um, Johnny Davis has gone from a player that we felt was going to be a really good guard for Wisconsin to potentially a top five NBA lottery pick in the span Mm -hmm. of one season. Uh, We missed the boat on this. A lot of people missed the boat on this. What were we missing here? How did this happen before our eyes? Well, I mean, you and I were both high on him. I, I was a little higher in in terms of thinking that he was going to be an NBA player. You thought that he had potential to be an NBA player. Um, the things that we saw coming leading into this season, part of it was driven by the the issues that we had last year with all the kind of the, the culture was not great. And Johnny kind of laid a little low, I feel like. Like he's a very assertive player, but with so many upperclassmen on the team, I feel like he kind of – didn't necessarily show his full hand last year. Um, so some of the things that you and I coming into the season thought that he really had to work on uh, one, we needed to see more consistency from the outside shooting to an extent. We've seen that he started out very hot to start the year. It's, he's kind of tailed off a little as the year has gone on. Um, the other big thing was, and you and I both agreed on this. He needed to tighten up his handle. He, he kind of struggled when he got into traffic holding out of the ball. He still has some trouble with that at this point, but he's so explosive and so good at attacking people that it it does not affect him that much in the college game. Um, And that's with people collapsing on him like crazy. Um, Another aspect of it is, is I, I totally did not realize how good his mid range game is. Mm -hmm. And there are times when he's borderline automatic when he gets hot. And it's, that is not something that, we've really seen from anybody at Wisconsin. Like we haven't had a mid-range guy at all. Like it's either been perimeter mm-hmm. or post. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's something that is completely different. It actually opens things up pretty well. And we've seen Johnny zip passes down into the post and stuff like that constantly when people collapse on him. So um, there's just a lot of things there. Like we, neither one of us thought that he was going to be as good a passer as he is. Well, and I also want to jump in there because one of my big criticisms before the season, and criticism is a hard, hard word, but in before the season, we were talking about Johnny Davis as a guy that needs to be a star for Wisconsin to be good. And mm-hmm. so we, we really kind of nailed that one actually. Yeah. Um, and I said, where I don't think he's going to be a star and this is, I'll own this. I said, he doesn't pass well enough. And if you look back last year, his assist rate and his turnover rate, he had a higher turnover rate than an assist rate, you know, and, and that's hard for players to change that. If you fast forward a year, his assist rate, which basically means um, I'm looking at the advanced uh, percentage, not his raw assist. Uh, he used to last year he assisted on 9.3 percent of his possessions that he had the ball. This year it's jumped to 15.3, so he's almost doubled his assist rate. Now here's the really interesting thing, though: while doubling, almost doubling his assist rate, Johnny Davis uh, has actually lowered his turnover rate while increasing his usage rate. So it's a really, really interesting type of player development where you have a guy, and this usually doesn't happen. I mean, players usually don't do this. He's got the ball a lot more. He has less turnovers, and he's doubled his assist rate. And that's the, that's the one of the biggest jumps I've, jumps I've seen 
in the NBA, if you can be a secondary playmaker, you can be a guy who can facilitate offense. He's not going to be a point guard in the NBA, but he is no. good enough to be that second playmaker. Mm-hmm. And that's a jump I just didn't see coming. But the stats, he's, he's doubled everything that's important in that area. It's incredible. Well, and, and the other aspect is, is that neither one of us, we thought he was a good rebounder. I didn't think that he was an, a great rebounder. And he's, he is at the college level, he's an elite rebounding guard. Agreed. Uh, there, there's no other way to put it. I mean, he, he goes and gets the ball and there's just a lot of things like looking at Johnny compared to the average college player, the, the tenacity and assertiveness to, to want to be the best player on the floor is something that there are very few guys in the college game that have that. Mm-hmm. And typically they end up in the NBA and they typically, they end up being good NBA players because that continues there where it's, mm-hmm. I want to prove to you I'm the best player here. And as long as they can handle criticism and Johnny seems very receptive to that, Mm -hmm. which is something that a lot of players struggle with in the NBA. When you start getting told, you know, all all the money comes in and everything else, it gets hard to be like, what are you telling me? I'm, I'm bad at Look, I was the best player, you know, as a lottery pick. No, he doesn't seem to have that, that ego tone. I mean, he's got the good ego. He doesn't have the the diva ego. Um, I want to actually pick up where you dropped off because I think you teed up a great talking point here. The rebounding numbers for Johnny, uh, yeah, tenacity, I mean, you nailed it. It speaks to a, a want to, a competitiveness within the game. I want to take it a step further. So Johnny Davis has a, this year, a defensive rebounding percentage of 13.6. What that means is when he's on the court, he grabs 13.6% of available defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Now, just to put that number in context, because that number seems meaningless without context. Other than Chris Vote, it's the leading number on the Badgers. And Chris Vote is a seven-footer. Again, these are efficiency stats, so it's not total mm-hmm. numbers. He And Chris Vote is at 14.6. In other words, Johnny Davis, and if if you put Johnny Davis and Chris Vote on the court at the same time and they're playing at the same time, it's Johnny Davis time. is just as likely to get the yeah. defense rebound <laughs> as Chris Vote. And both of those lead the team by a wide number, which means oh, yeah. Johnny Davis is getting more rebounds by, by percentage than Tyler Wall, than Stephen Crowell, than – uh, ben Carlson than anybody. It's incredible his ability mm-hmm. to just get those 50 50 balls and just out elevate people, out want people. And that will translate to the end. Yes. Like there's there's some things it's it's kind of like a, a little Westbrook-ish in terms of his ability to just attack the ball to get that to get rebounds. Now there's a difference there in the type of player they are, but from that physicality, I mean, and one's ability, a winner and the other's yeah. Westbrook. <laughs> yes. So yes, there's that. Fair. Yeah. Okay. You, 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 you said what I was thinking, <laughs> but yeah. Um, but that, that tenacity to go after the ball and get it, you know, to the point where you're almost grabbing it from your own teammate. Mm-hmm. Now, Johnny's a little bit more of a winner in that standpoint. He's not going to potentially risk nobody getting it to get it himself. Um, but yeah, the- this is a, he is the best rebounding guard. And I, I look at guys like, we, we saw, we see Keegan Murray put up 20 rebounds in a game. And I watched the two of them in the game against Wisconsin. I came away thinking that Johnny is much better at filling out a box score than Keegan Murray than Keegan in that Murray. first matchup. Um, I thought that he ended up being very perimeter oriented in that game. And Johnny did a little bit of everything. And yeah, he put up some numbers in that game against the Badgers, but they were all meaningless. Like Wisconsin mm-hmm. was so far ahead when he started cashing in all these points. And it's like, great. That doesn't mean anything. And that's, that's the difference between Johnny and another star potentially in college is that the numbers are typically in very high stress situations that he makes something happen. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of guys that do that at the college game. He's a two-way player too. Now, if we're going to talk about 
That, oh, I mean, that's great the thing defensively. With, that's the thing with Ivy, right? Like Ivy, and it was it was awesome. They had a NBA scout. After, I didn't see the team um, that he was with at the the Purdue Wisconsin game, the mm-hmm. recent one, and they just they asked the scout, "What are you looking for in these players to improve?" And it's it's really a damning comment when someone says we need him to play harder on defense. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said about Ivy, right? That's that's a sketchy comment because it goes to character, it, it goes to work ethic. And what do you say about Davey? He said, well, the perimeter shot needs to be more consistent. Absolutely, it does. Mm-hmm. But there's no questions about this dude needs to play harder, right? If the first thing someone says about a dude is defensively, we need a little more effort. One uh, thing I'm not concerned about with Johnny Davis is the idea that he's not going to work hard on getting exactly. better at the perimeter. He will become a serviceable three-point shooter. He may, he's never probably going to be a 40% guy. But I, I think he can get into the mid-30s, if he which can be, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. If he can be mid-30s, he should be fine. Now, yeah. the NBA game is a lot different, and, and, you know, for a lot of reasons we don't need to get into. I do want to – we're running up on this segment. I do want to ask you just a quick question, and I don't think we can go as deep in this as I want to, and maybe we do this on a different segment. But isn't there a part of you that breaks a little inside when you think about how good last year's team could have been if Johnny Davis and that ecosystem Was the worked? alpha dog? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, even just is. a Bravo dog. Yeah. I mean, well, that, I mean, the other part of that is like the, the biggest thing you'd say this year is how great would this team be with Micah Potter? Oh, Potter was, and, would have been the missing Crowell, piece. And Crowell coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. It would have been amazing. So much less pressure on Crowell. You'd have Potter out there absolutely who could absolutely hang with the, the other bigs in the league. And he can shoot it. It would have been, been huge. It would have been the missing yep. piece. But that's more of a hypothetical. I mean, all those yeah. dudes were literally on last year's team. Oh, yeah. And it's not oh, yeah. like Johnny Davis is a bad player last year. We, as we've seen, no. more was under the hood, and it just didn't get unleashed. Yeah. Yep. Oh, definitely. Um, well, that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here and come back with, is this a high floor or high ceiling team? And what that means from our context and view, because Ryan and I disagree on this one. But first, we're going to dive into betonline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the, all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired head coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and USC odds, coverage, and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline.net, where the game starts. So you and I, I kind of pose this to you to get your thoughts on it, because I I think we both view this kind of differently with what, what we think Wisconsin is. I view them based off of what I've seen from this season as a team that is a very high floor team meaning we know what we're going to get from Wisconsin every game that they go out. They're going to play really good defense. They're going to make it extremely difficult for teams to try and pull away from them. They're going to rebound fairly well, play hard, and they'll get timely scoring, but they don't typically light it up. They don't typically, you know, just put it on a team and and knock them out. Um, You have a different perspective on this compared to what I have. Well, I, I think I'm more in the middle, to be honest. I, okay. If, if we're talking, is this a high floor team, more of a high floor team, obviously nothing is ever all one or the other, yeah, right? Correct. Um, we're not painting with like black and white brushes here, but if we're saying, yeah, if, to, is this to more? To contextualize this, we're looking at this in terms of the top teams. 
right. in college. Absolutely. Basketball. Right. Is this more of a high floor team or, or a high ceiling team? And obviously you're, and I think you make good points here. Like Wisconsin hasn't gone out there and laid clunkers. Even their losses are to really good teams. They haven't lost teams. They shouldn't lose. They're pretty consistent in that stretch. And that is a basis for a high floor team. I think a little bit of the opposite. I think this team is actually more of a high ceiling team and it's, it's a lower floor team actually. Uh, and, and it's all based on shooting for me. Wisconsin is such a bad shooting team in comparison. I mean, we can literally say that it is what it is. Yeah. Statistically, I will not argue with you. They on are that. a bad shooting team, which to me, so much of basketball shooting and they've overcome a lot of that, but uh, they've overcome a lot of that and we don't need to dive into it, but with close wins, which aren't always going to happen. So to me, being such a, a mediocre to poor to inconsistent shooting team, however you want to frame it, that means you can lose any game. If you're a good shooting team, I think your floor is higher. Um, but here's the flip side of it. Here's why I think it, it might be more of a high ceiling team is every given day we're going to have the best player on the court with Johnny Davis. And we have enough guys around us that can get streaky. So to me, if you hit that, that lightning in the bottle where Davis, um, Davidson, Crowell, all these guys can hit shots. We've seen it. Heffern can hit shots. If that starts going in together along with Johnny Davis, boy, boy, Wisconsin's not getting beat. Okay. And my bet, my bet on Wisconsin winning the title for $20 is going to win me yeah. 150. <laughs> like, so that's why I think it's more of a high ceiling so, team. So, so let me, let me propose you this. So, so what you're saying is that if a team shoots really well and scores well, they have a higher floor. I think shooting, I don't, I don't necessarily think, I think shooting efficiently, if efficiently, like if you shoot efficiently, but at a lower pace, but so, yeah. So, you know, what team shoots really well. And is and is fairly efficient on the offensive side. Uh, there's probably several. I mean, Iowa. Sure. Again, and, nothing is ever perfect, though. Like yeah, there's, no. but the, but that's the correlation that I'm making. I see. I don't view Iowa as having a, a high floor because the other aspects of basketball, I don't think they do particularly well. And I think that's that shooting is the one thing Wisconsin's not great at, and they've overcome it by the fact that they play really good defense. So they typically drag kind of everybody down to their level shooting wise, and they kind of just turn it into a slugfest. Now you're right. If they run into a team that shoots well, they're in trouble because they're going to have major problems keeping them in check. However, we've watched this entire season. Now there has not been a team that has just gone off from the, the perimeter on them at all. And I think that's a credit to exactly what they are. They are an exceptional perimeter defensive team. Um, hmm. they make it so incredibly difficult to shoot from the outside for a high percentage on them. Uh, I think they've, have they had more than one team that's shot over 50% this season against them? I, I would, I would wonder what Ohio state shot in that game. Yeah, I think Ohio state was over 50% in that loss right to Ohio around, state. They, they shot um, well. And that, yeah. And that, and that, that is what it is. I mean, that's, that's like an NCAA tournament game. Like even good teams lose those games when another team gets hot shooting. It just is what it is. You can play great defense. It's the, it's the Wisconsin with uh, with against uh, Davison with with Steph Curry. You can't great defense can't beat amazing shooting. No. So if your lights out from the outside, there's nothing that you can do. I think I yeah. Uh, I mean, I hear you. Again, I, I tend to think this is more in the middle. Like I, I don't think this is a super high floor team or a super high ceiling team. I think there's elements of both. Uh, I just think we, and we talked about this before the, some of the close wins are indicative of the fact that poor shooting can bring this team down to a level that, and listen, it is what it is we got, sure. but there's an element of luck when you beat Penn state by two, when you come well, back on that Indiana team, sure. those aren't good teams. Uh, no. Uh, well, here's something I, I'd like to, to bring up on the, just one aspect mm-hmm. of this. 
how many of so they're 15 and one in in close games six points or less how many of those games do you think were one possession games because i don't think many of them were like it was typically wisconsin by five or six so it was like two to three possessions that they were out against whoever so there was not a lot of high stress 10 know. seconds left we're, we're up to or we're tied or whatever type situations for Wisconsin. Those I, those I legitimately would say are a coin flip. I think most of the games, Wisconsin was effectively in control in the final minute and they had two to three possessions and it was just close it out. Yeah. I don't know. I think if it, if it games within six to me, that feels pretty much a coin flip at times. I, I hear you. I'd have to go back and look at the individual games yeah. though. There's certainly, there I mean, are Penn certainly, State was definitely one of them. Penn state was a two point game. Um, there's certainly, listen, there's certainly basketball games where you're in control and then this team hits a garbage three. I mean, Iowa mm-hmm. did that to us, right? They didn't pull yep. within six, but Iowa hit a couple garbage threes. So oh, that yeah. definitely we were happens. 20 in that game. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's definitely games, you know, we lost the Rutgers game. That was, a, that was a fine loss, but Penn State was close. Indiana was close. Um, the Minnesota game was felt close to me the whole way, even though we, I think we won by five. Um, I don't know. I, I think that there's just an element of shooting that's really hard to overcome in basketball. And Wisconsin's done it. I Wisconsin's sure. done it, but. It's well, easy. That's easily something that can trip you up at any point. The other part of it is, is that, and this is where Chucky Hepburn really earns his, his pay, so to speak. He does not get rattled. Like he is very much a guy who late in games does not speed up, does not, you know, get flustered and make bad passes or turn the ball over or whatever. And that puts so much pressure on the other team to not do the same things. So a lot of the times that's, that's effectively where we've seen the dis- difference in most of these games. Wisconsin just makes the winning plays. They do the easy things, the little things, and wait for the other team to make a mistake. And more times than not, it's paid off. Mm-hmm. I think there's an element of that. And I, again, I just think there's an element of luck. But, there is, but there, I, I will not deny that there's there's luck. You don't go 15 and one without no. some luck. I will also not. Listen, here's the other thing of that, though. Badger fans get upset when that gets mentioned. Like you shouldn't. I mean, we're going to wrap this show up on this, but what? who cares? I don't care what? if I get lucky and win Listen, a game. They're they're lucky, but they're also the best team in the yes. country at being in a tight game situation yes. and coming out. Can we agree? Maybe end on this. Two things can be true equally here. Like, yeah, not even that. Maybe not even equally. Let's say two things can be true. There can be mm-hmm. an element of luck, and this team can also be super gritty and really good in close situations. Both of those mm-hmm. things can be can be true, and it's okay for us to admit that and be honest about it. Mm-hmm. It's not all a clutch gene. It's also all not, not all luck. Like both these yeah. things are in play here. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I, I think we're going to wrap up on that segment. Uh, we talked a little bit about how and why Justin and I were so wrong and we will never do a show like this again. Cause we will never <laughs> be that wrong again. No, I'm kidding. We'll probably be wrong, that wrong all the time, but we appreciate everyone listening as always. We really appreciate the support. Uh, we're having a blast getting started on this show and we um, just, continue we'll just continue it going so if you have any questions or concerns comments you know send us an email at lockdownbadgers.com uh, lockdownbadgers at gmail.com and at twitter at lockdownbadgers we'll respond to any questions or comments you have we'll throw them up on the show and thanks for making lockdown badgers your first listen every day continue tuning into lockdown badgers for the badgers basketball stretch run into march and then spring football coming up where we're going to get into a whole bevy of issues and concerns and questions lots of coaching turnover lots of new players we're super excited to start jumping into that as well make locked on nfl draft your second listen of the day uh, at ryan tracy and former nfl cornerback eric crocker 
bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.